Hello friends. Today's episode is a new kind of episode. It is all about a survivor story. And today we have Cassie on who is going to be talking about a kidnapping that happened to her about 12 years ago. At the time she had a two-year-old daughter who was also involved in this kidnapping by somebody that she knew. I wanted to do a little intro to let you know of any trigger warnings as this episode is going to be pretty emotional and raw and I want everyone who is listening to know what is going to come up in the event that it will trigger you which is my hope to not happen. Um, There is some swearing involved, there is some explicit discussion on what actually happened during the kidnapping and there is some talk about sexual assault. Um, It does go into the description of what happened so be aware that it's not just high level it's emotional and raw and it's okay if it's a hard thing to listen to but I wanted Cassie to be able to share her story because she has been struggling with it for a really long time And she finally felt that she could share this story. And this podcast is all about supporting people and providing a platform to share their story if that's what is drawn to them. There is some talk about God as well. So if that is a trigger for you or if you are not religious, um, that is okay. Um, This is something that Cassie has found helpful for herself. So I want to make sure that everyone is aware that This is not a religion podcast, but um, the topic does come up because it was something that helped her get through her tough time. So let's get started. Please um, listen with your hearts and just know that if she can get through something like this, then you can get through a lot of things too. So further ado, let's go get ready and get the podcast going. Good morning or afternoon, beautiful, depending when you're listening to this wonderful podcast. Today, I am very excited to share a survivor story with Cassie. She has reached out to me and said she wants to share to the world what had happened to her. And we are going to listen to her story today. And hopefully you'll be able to get something from it. If not, just know that your bad day is probably not as bad as others. So I would like to welcome Cassie onto our In Tune With Yourself podcast. Welcome, Cassie. Thanks for coming today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to have you, and I'm excited to to hear your story and share it with the world. So thank you again. Um, So let's start with a couple questions just to get us warmed up before we dive right in. So the first question for you is, where are you located in the world? I am located in the United States in Indiana. Perfect. That's great. I actually have not been there, but it is somewhere I've thought to go visit sometime. Maybe once the borders open and stuff (laughs) with this world of COVID, it makes it difficult to travel. Yeah. Um, Okay. Tell us something interesting about yourself most people don't know. Um, well, I love cats. They're my favorite animal and I bond really well with cats. So that's something that's, I, 
I only have dogs right now. And the reason is because my son is allergic to cats. Oh cats, no! <laughs> good cats are my favorite. <laughs> is it like house cats or are you like all cats? So like tigers and lions and all that, or is it just specifically house cats? Well, I've never really had a close encounter with a tiger or a lion, but um, I love cats and the way they look and how they express themselves and everything and just... I don't know, um, but probably I would have to say house cats because I've never really experienced any other cats. <laughs> Fair, I mean, I would hope most people haven't other than in a zoo or something, but even then that's kind of sad that they're locked up, but yeah, that's good. Um, what made you decide you wanted to share your story with us today? You know, I just wanna to touch other people's hearts and help other people that have gone through the same kind of thing I've gone through um being raped or sexually assaulted and or abused in some kind of way um just to touch their heart and to also let them know that god is real because god is the one that saved my life when this happened that's amazing i'm looking forward to diving into that what do you think is the hardest part about sharing your story with us on um, the hardest part is definitely having to relive it um, because when I, when I have to tell the story and I have to take my mind back there and I have to remember what happened and how it happened and, you know, that can be painful, um, to do, but it's to glorify God and to help others. So it's worth it. That's great. Yeah. I, I could imagine that it would be hard going back to it. It's been pretty traumatic for you and I think it's hard if anyone has to go and relive moments from their past that were, were traumatic. And so it's, I guess, learning and taking from that experience on how to move forward and not get stuck back in that hard time. But it's, it's yeah, I mean, I think we all go through hard times in life. We just have to choose how we move forward from it. And it sounds like from talking with you, you've kind of used this to help you help others and like share your story and show that it's okay to talk about tough things. And I, I really admire you for doing that. It's gotta be difficult, but I'm hoping that this will maybe help and um, help you mend, or, you know, maybe it'll help someone else feel the need to talk about it. Yes, I, I agree. <laughs> okay, so let's, uh, how about you, sorry, can you take us through what Cassie looked like before the incident occurred? Well, Cassie was a mess. Um, I was not making good decisions. I was pretty much living wherever I could find somewhere to live. Um, I wasn't stable in my living situation. I was doing some very dangerous drugs like meth. And I was staying up for days at a time. And I was just not in my right state of mind. Yeah, that's got to be a tough time. I mean, I haven't been a part of that life, but I do know some people who have, and it's been quite the struggle. A lot of people don't get out of it. So good job on your end for, you know, having that time and moving past it into something better. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. 
Um, okay, so if you're ready, I would love for you to take us through what happened on the day of the incident, and you can share as much or as little as you'd like. Um, we're here to listen, so feel free to pause if you need, but we are all ears for you. Okay, so first I'll just tell you that I was 25 years old, and I had a daughter that was two years old. So that's how I'll start. And so I get a call from my friend and he was at the time, he was one of my best friends, but he was in and out of prison. He was a bad boy and everyone warned me to stay away from him. But I never listened to anyone's advice because I just did it. I did what I wanted. And I always thought that everyone deserves a second chance. And that's the way that I lived and thought with, with this guy, particularly they warned me about him. And I thought, you know, everyone deserves a second chance. So we became good friends. He wanted more than friends. I didn't. And this particular night, he called me around 11 o'clock at night. And he called me like it was an emergency he called me frantic like he needed to meet me it was very important we he needs to see me right now it can't wait till tomorrow it's got to be now and I need to get there and I had a two-year-old daughter I lived with my parents at the time everyone was asleep but me and my he just he made it so imperative that I met him that I got my daughter up and took her and got her in the car and we went and met my friend. And so when we went and, and met him at 11 o'clock at night, I was already mad when we got there because I did this. I had a bad gut feeling when I was there and I didn't listen. And so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting. He's there and he pulls in, he jumps out, gets into my car. And when he gets into my car, I look at him, I say, okay, so what is it? What's so important? What do you need? And he's like, he looks at me and he says, drive. And I looked at him and I said, you know, don't, come on. This isn't a time for joking. Just tell me what you need. It's late. I've been out. You know, I got my daughter out of bed to come meet you. What is so important? He looked at me and he had a little bit of like, stern in his voice and he said I said drive and I started I laughed a little bit and I was like come on stop playing I don't have time for your jokes let's go I want I need to know what's going on because I need to get back home and at that point he put a box cutter knife to my throat and told me I said drive and at that time I knew this wasn't this was no joke this was now I was in danger I, my eyeballs got huge. I pushed his arm off of my throat and I jumped, went and ran around, got my daughter and buckled her out of her car seat and I put her on my hip and I am running down this highway screaming for help. Um, it was just something that came over me. I knew I was in danger now. And I'm only about 99 pounds because I'm, I've been, strung out at this on on this mess and so I can't carry a two-year-old and run very fast and so I'm running as fast as I can with her on my side screaming help 
there was three cars that drove by one particular I know seen me and nobody stopped nobody stopped to help me it's 11 12 probably 12 o'clock at night now because you know and no one anyways no one stopped so what happened is he took off running after me and my daughter and he swooped us up with his arms, like wrapped his arms around our bodies and squeezed us, squeezed us together and carried me back to the car. He already had the trunk open when I got there and he picked us up and threw us in the trunk and slammed the trunk down. I didn't have time to get up. It was, it happened really fast. And he got in the car and took off and I had no idea what was going on or where we were going or anything. Uh, my daughter's crying, she's scared and I'm trying to tell her that it's gonna be okay and I'm trying not to panic, I'm trying not to freak out. And he's jamming out in the car to my daughter's favorite song at the time, which was Umbrella by Rihanna. And he's playing that song so loud and I'm just in the trunk singing the song to my daughter to try to keep her calm while we're driving. He finally stops the car and it sounds like we're at a gas station because I can hear the sound of like the gas pump going in and out like how it, it has like a how it sounds when it goes in your car. I can hear that so I recognize we're at a public place so I start punching the, the trunk and screaming, help, somebody help us. And I'm just screaming and hitting the trunk and nothing. I mean, no one helps. So then I hear him get back in the car, start the car up and we're off again. And he's still playing that same song. He's got that song on repeat. And so then, you know, about, I don't know, because you can't really measure time when you're in a trunk, but I'm going to say it's probably 20 minutes after that. I, uh, we're going down this really bumpy path and I can feel the car is really bumpy. And we get out of the, he stops the car and anything and he comes around and he opens the trunk up and I can see that we're in a, in a wooded area and it looks like a woods. There's like there's like a pathway between the trees to where he drove through, but it's not like a driveway or anything to where it's noticeable and like anybody just drives down there. It was basically a flat path between the trees that he drove through. And he, we went back far, I would say, I don't know, half a mile back down this path. And when he got me out of the trunk, he, he got me out and he, he grabbed me in a way that he still, he told, he told my daughter she wasn't allowed to get out. And he grabbed me and she listened to him. And as soon as he got me out and held me, he shut the trunk he slammed it on her she was standing up when he slammed the trunk on her so i was no wait hold on that wasn't right okay so he got me out of the trunk and then he 
held like held on to me so I couldn't move. He was okay. This guy was about five foot ten or eleven, and he probably weighed around three hundred pounds. And it was he wasn't like fat. He was a little bit fat, but he wasn't. He had more muscle than anything. And he held me and t- and shut the trunk, and then he took me over to this tree and he tied me up to this tree with a rope. And he was tying me up to this tree and I'm crying and asking him, why are you doing this to me? I don't understand. Why are you doing this? And he said, if I can't have you, nobody can. And I just, I said, I thought we were under understanding. I thought you realized we were just friends. You know, I loved you as a friend. We were best friends. And I was just trying to basically get out of the situation now I'm telling him everything that he wants to hear to to get out of the situation I I'm starting this now and so he's you know he's telling me that he's going to kill us that he said I'm going to kill you you guys are not leaving tonight and he said if you won't be with me nobody's going to be with me and he he worshiped the devil so he was, I believe he was going to give our bodies for sacrifice. I don't know, but, um, anyways, that's besides the point. So anyways, he, after this happened, my daughter is still in the trunk and I'm begging him to check on her, to make sure that she's okay. Because I don't know at this point, you know, what's going on with her. Hold on. Let me stop for a second. Cause my mind is so boggled right now. I just need to. That's okay. Take a minute. Refresh. I feel like I'm all over the place and I'm trying to remember at what point did she stand up in that trunk and he slammed it on her because I remember that, but I feel like I was already tied up when he did it because I was crying hysterically because he wouldn't let me like she stood up and he slammed it down and then he wouldn't let me go check on her so I there was a like hours that passed that I didn't know if she was dead or alive in that trunk because she was standing up it's just hard to remember exactly what part it was I believe I I want to say I was already tied up and then he went back after I got tied up to the tree. He, she was standing in the, in the trunk, I believe. And then he slammed the trunk on her at that point. And that's when I was hysterical and I was crying and screaming and hysterical because he slammed the trunk on her and I didn't know if my baby was dead or alive or if he, you know, he gave her a concussion or what was going on in there. And I heard nothing. It was completely silent in there. So I'm crying and crying. And he, at this point, is getting irritated with me because I'm crying and he's on my phone my he has my phone right now and he's setting up a plan of where I am 
And he has me at this guy's house that I was talking to and that I had to go be with him. So that's where he has that I was dating or talking to. So he has me going to his house right now. Um, and he's setting all that up and he's notifying some of my other friends and letting them know, Hey, my phone's about to die. But in case you worried are worried about me tomorrow, trying to get a hold of me, I'm at so-and-so's house and all this. So he's setting up this whole plan and he's like pacing back and forth and I'm panicking because of my daughter and he keeps grabbing his hair and like pulling on his hair because he's annoyed with me. And then after he gets done setting up his little plan, he shows me what he did to try to make me feel defeated. And he takes the phone and he stomps on it and he shatters it into a million pieces. So there's no way that I can ever get that phone back to contact for help. And then after that, he comes over to me and he starts running his fingers all over my body and pulling like my shirt up and caressing my breasts and telling me things about my body and how sexy I am and all the things he's gonna do to me and all this and he's and I'm now crying about this and begging him not to do this to me because oh I'm gonna try to keep it together <laughs> you're doing great you're doing great So I'm begging him to stop and he won't. He just keeps touching me and then he goes down and in, into my underwear and caressing my private and going inside of it with his hands and and I'm just begging him to stop and I'm crying out and and he's just telling me that if I don't shut up, that he's going to kill me right now. And he's just, he, I'm trying to remember exactly. Uh, I wrote it all down and my mind was so calm yesterday when I wrote it. And today my mind is kind of not as calm. That's okay. You're doing great. So he start he takes now he has this this knife that he grabs that he after he just told me he's going to kill me right now and he puts it to my throat if I don't shut up and stop crying and then he takes that knife and he runs that down my body and I'm, I just start begging him again. And I said, please just let me check on my daughter, please. You can do anything else you want after this. Just please let me check on my daughter. I don't, I need to check on her. If you want me to cooperate with you, 
you need to let me check on my daughter. I won't try to run. I won't try to leave. I won't escape. Nothing. I'll be calm. I'll go. I'll check on her and I'll come back. I promise. So he let me, he, he, he untied me, but he walked me like I was a, a dog or something. Like I was on a leash. I was stuck with him on this, this rope or whatever. And, uh, so he took me over there and to the car and I got, got my daughter out of the trunk and then I, she was okay. As soon as I got her out of the trunk, she was like relieved to see me and she got up and she hugged me and I hugged her and I was so thankful that she was alive. And I asked him, could I please change her diaper? because she'd been in there for a while now. And I said, can I please change her diaper? And he let me, he, he let me change her diaper because he knew that I was loyal and he knew I would listen. And so I changed her diaper and everything. And I said, could she please just stay here in her car seat and just sit here in her car seat? I don't wanna have to put her back in the trunk, please. Just let her just sit here in her car seat, she'll be good. And I looked at my daughter and I said, won't you, baby, you'll be good, won't you? And, and you know, she was just looking at me. And so anyways, um, but he said, no, he said, no, I wasn't allowed to let her hang out in the car seat. So he made me put her back in the trunk. So he opened the trunk. So the trunk was still, it was still open. And cause I had got her out of the trunk. And so he told me that I had to put her back in the trunk. So I did what I was told and I put her back in the trunk and I shut it. And that was the most hurtful thing I could have done right there. That killed me to have to do that, but I had to do it because he had a knife and he told me he's going to kill us and everything. So I did it. And then I broke down again and he walked me back over to the tree and tied me back up. And then he unzipped his pants and decided that he was going to sexually assault me and that's exactly what happened and I just cried out and at this point I started crying out to God and I was just begging God to save me and take me out of this situation and asking for forgiveness and begging for forgiveness for all the wrong I've done and and asking God to save my life and for him to stop. And I'm begging him to stop. And I've just got so much going on right now. I'm like losing my mind. And he, he tells me that at, at this and now at this point is starting to turn daylight and he starts to, he starts to get paranoid because it's daylight and he's not really succeeding in the things he's doing because sexually to me he's trying like to to sexually assault me but it's not working as well because I'm being so hysterical and he's getting angry so he tells me if I don't shut up he's gonna kill me right now and I better shut the fuck up right now and the knife's at my throat again so I shut up and 
I look down the, I look down and I see that there's a road down here, way down at the end of this pathway, there's this road. And I know we're out in the country. I don't know where we are, but I can see a road. And I said to my perpetrator, I said, uh, hey, you know, I can see the road down there. If somebody drives by, they might be able to see us over here. I said, we might. I said, you're probably going to end up getting caught if someone sees us down here. And I said, what are you going to do? And he starts getting paranoid. So he decides that we're going to leave because it's getting daylight. And I brought to his attention that I, that the cars might be able to see us, though he's paranoid now. And so now we have to, we're going to leave and switch our place, place that we're at. So he makes me get in the trunk with my daughter. And I get in with her and I just hug her and tell her everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. It's almost over. Everything's going to be okay. While he takes us to this next place and so we get to this next place, which I know is his house, but he's like changed. He takes us into his bedroom, which I had never noticed before because he was my friend. So we hung out a lot. So I knew what the inside of his house looked like, but I had never noticed before on his door, his bedroom door, that the lock was only on the outside. Like there it wasn't like an actual bedroom door. I would say it was more like a living room or a front door to your house or something because it only had a lock on the outside. And the lock on the, and so anyway, so he put us in this bedroom and he locked us in the room and he left. In this room, all there was was a bed and there was a dresser in there and there was a there was a window in there but the window wouldn't open because it wasn't a window that was made to open it was just made to be shut there wasn't even like a screen or a way to open it. i don't know how to explain it any other way it was just glass you couldn't open it. And so there was, there was no way for me to get out and of this room, at least I didn't see any way for me to get out of this room. I'm trying to remember there was something else about that window, why I couldn't get out. But anyways, the fact of the matter is there was no way I could get out at this point. I felt, I felt like just to sit in here and be patient. So I'm sitting here with my daughter in this bedroom and I'm praying. And I'm just praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying for God to save us and rescue us. And then I'm also still praying for the forgiveness of my sins because I had been living such a terrible, toxic life. And um, I don't know, it had to be God. I mean, there's no other explanation for this other than God is that he walked in this bedroom and had a total change of heart literally he had a total change of heart that he was going to set us free 
he told me that if I swore on my daughter's life, that he would let us go. And of course, because he said, he said, if you swear on your daughter's life, I'll let, I'll let you guys go because I know how you are about swearing on her life. And I know that you won't lie to me on her life. And I said, you're right. I won't, I would never lie on my daughter's life ever. And so he said, I want you to promise me right now on your daughter's life that you won't tell anyone it'll stay between us if I let you go. I said, I swear. And I said, my daughter's name, I swear, I swear on my daughter's life that I will never tell on you if you let me go. And that's all it took. He believed me. We got, we got back in the car. He drove out to the parking lot where we met. And I'm, and I thanked him and told him he was doing the right thing. And I swear I wouldn't tell. And he, and when we got out there, he jumped out of the car, out of my car, got, and I scooted from the passenger seat over to the driver's seat. And as soon as he got out, he started walking over to his car and he had a change of heart and he wasn't going to let me go. And he took off sprinting towards me. At that point, I slammed my door shut, hit the gas pedal and peeled out of that parking lot like no other. And I took off driving down the road and I was probably driving, I don't know, fast, as fast as I could go. And he was right on my tail chasing after me. And he's trying to run me off the road, getting in the, in the other lane and like trying to like ram me off the road. And I'm just, I mean, I got, I have just, I've got so much determination right now to get away that there's nothing stopping at this point. And so I'm just, I'm driving just as fast as I can. And I see the first house that I see was a, a really good friend of mine. And I pulled over and drove into the driveway of their house. And I grabbed my daughter and I took off running as fast as I could. And my perpetrator pulled his car over right where I did and took off after me. And I got in the house just in time before he did. And he turned around and ran back to his car, jumped in and took off. And I called 911 right then and reported it. And the cops looked for him for two days and then they found him and he went to prison. He's out now. He's already out of prison now. But he went for a little bit of time. And he told me, that when he got out of prison, that if I told on he, this was the deal he made. I forgot to say earlier, the deal he made was he told me, okay, now I'm going to tell you this. Since you promised me this, now if you tell when I get out of jail or prison, I will come find you and I will kill you. And so I told he's out of prison now. And so, you know, there's still that chance that he could come find me and kill me, like he said. But I trust in God because God saved me that he's not going to allow this guy to come find me and kill me. And that's where I get my strength every day is just knowing that God saved me. And that as long as I walk with God, that I'm going to be safe and I can't allow myself to ever 
stray far away from him because then I'm walking in a place I don't want to be. So that's my story. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's like, wow. I was feeling that with you and I really appreciate you sharing. It sounds like a day that you probably will never forget, but you hope to. And I'm so grateful that you didn't give up and that you fought and that you believed in God to help you. And I think that that is one of the things that we can take away from this story is that if you have something that you truly believe in, like God, um, then it gives you something to focus on rather than the situation you're in and asking for help is hard for people in general. And I think you did the right thing and you fought to make sure that you and your daughter were okay. And that's amazing. Like the strength that you had to get through this is it comes from somebody special. You know, it's not something that everybody can do. Some people just give up. And some people don't know how to get out of tough situations, but you you got through it and you are alive today, both you and your daughter. And that's an amazing story. Thank you. So now with talking about that and you going through it and taking the time to um, heal and move forward, how does that situation change you from before to now like what do you look like now and how did the incident shape you well now as in today I am a totally different person um people who knew me from back then don't even recognize me anymore because I've completely changed my life I uh, wake up every morning I start my day off with God I and Um, I read my Bible when I wake up, start my day off with God and do praises. And then, you know, I'm trying to teach my children to walk with God. And I'm just, I'm just on a completely different path. I'm not even close to where I was. I, I, God has helped me so much that I don't even desire that life anymore. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to stay as far away from evil as possible and trying to be as good as possible, like behavior wise and not out here doing drugs and partying anymore. Yeah, and I think that that's a great takeaway of you can get through anything you set your mind to and you were in a bad place. And then you got into the situation of a bad place and to get through that. And I can't even imagine how you were feeling or what you were going through, but to have the grace to keep going and not give up is amazing. And I think I would imagine after that incident, it wasn't easy for you and your daughter. And I think that that's also something we need to look at that you struggled in the beginning, you struggled in the incident, and then you struggled after, but now you are using your trauma to help people and to show them that you can get through anything you set your mind to. And I think that that is so amazing. And the fact that you want to share your story now, because I know that you and I talked about this before, and you weren't ready to share because it's 
not easy to share these kind of things, but you worked through it over the last few months. And then you came to me and said, I'm ready. I'm ready to share my story. And I think that that is so powerful that you are able to work through it and feel above it to share, to hopefully help someone get through things. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, it wasn't easy. I um, actually, after it happened, um, right after the kidnapping and everything happened, and I got back, you know, I called 911. And after all that was over, you know, I still kept spiraling out of control because then I had so much pain that I just, the pain of, of doing that to my child, taking her out and making that bad decision and feeling it was all of my fault and the, and the pain and this, the, the, the dirtiness I felt from being sexually assaulted and just all of this feelings of pain, it was consuming me. And so I just kept spiraling and spiraling, you know, I ended up homeless. I ended up, I ended up in a rehab center, um, in a inpatient unit unit. And I did an inpatient program, an outpatient program. And then I went in and did MDMA. Is that what it's called? Treatment, right? You, that's how we've originally met was you had posted something about that. Mm -hmm. So I went and did, um, that treatment to help me overcome this. And I did NAAA, um, I did parenting classes. I did a lot of things to get myself well. And I also walked with God, you know, but, but it took me a while still after he saved my life for me to still go back to God. I, cause I still spiraled out of control for a while, even though he saved my life and I knew it, the pain was too much. So it took me having to go to rehab and lose my daughter I lost custody of my daughter and had to fight back for her for it took me over two and a half years to fight for her and I got her back but like I said I had to go through a lot to get better but it was worth it in the end and now I'm healed and now I'm better and now I can share my story Yes, that gives me goosebumps. I'm so glad that you kept fighting for your daughter and that you got her back because a lot of times it's easy to give up and you didn't. You got through it and you got your daughter back and you got through probably some of the hardest times of your life and now you're able to grow and share and impact others in a positive way. And I think that that is amazing. And your daughter, I'm not quite sure how old she is now, but she when she's old enough to understand, she's going to be like, oh my God, my mom is amazing. Like it's, I, yeah, I, I, oh, that touches my heart. I'm so glad that you got her back because I know how hard it is to not have your kids around and you fought for that. You went through the hard times and you got past it. So congratulations to you and just keep going. You are going to make a a difference in people's lives. And I feel lucky enough to have randomly met you on our lovely social media platform and now I'm able to provide you a platform to share your story and I'm forever grateful for that. I am too thank you I really appreciate this.
My pleasure. And for all of you that are listening, I am going to put Cassie's information in the show notes in case you want to follow her, reach out to her. Um, please don't reach out and cause issues. But if you have questions and want to know more about her or some help, please re feel free to reach out. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I have today. Is there anything else you wanted to kind of leave the audience with, whether it be your favorite quote, or is there um, advice you want to, to leave them with today? I just, my favorite quote, and it's really a Bible verse, but it's, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's true. I mean, if you just, if you're, you know, whatever it is, abuse, um, addiction, um, any, any problem, even if it's a problem with money or whatever it may be, you can always, there's always help out there for you and you're not alone. And if you need someone to talk to, I would be more than happy to talk to you and help you in any way that I can or pray with you. And, um, but God saved my life. You know, I don't know you know, what will happen in your life. But I'm saying, if you need a friend though, I'm here. And that's, that's another thing. I just want people to know that you're not alone, that there is other people out there that have been through the same kind of pain you've been through. Yeah, you know? that's amazing. I think that this will resonate with some people and I hope that you're able to connect with them and they can maybe share how you have helped them. And I really do hope that the listeners reach out if, if that's something they're interested in. Um, but again, thank you so much, Cassie. I really appreciate you sharing your story and having the guts to move past it and share it. And I, I do hope that this helps somebody. And I just am grateful that I've met you. I'm grateful I've met you too. And I pray it helps someone and it, it, as many people as possible. So yes, thank you. I really appreciate this. And if you ever want to do this again, let me know. Sounds good. I will end this episode with saying be well and be kind and until the next time.